Hello and welcome to the Balancing Act podcast for working mums. Here you can find the tools and inspiration you need to overcome the constant juggle and live with more simplicity, ease and fulfilment in your everyday. I'm your host, Debbie, a balance coach and a working mum myself, and I'm super happy to be here with you. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Balancing Act podcast. As always, it's amazing to have you here. Thank you so much for tuning in. And this week I have another treat for you, a wonderful guest interview, this time with Siobhan of This Sister Scribes. Siobhan is a copywriting coach who also describes herself as a word witch because she um, supports founders in weaving magic into their copy. And a large part of the way she does this is supporting, encouraging and setting by example um, to allow other people to share their story. And she feels very passionate about this, not just in the work she does, but in life in general. So as you can imagine, this is a really, really juicy conversation, particularly um, if you are a female founder, a female, or have have an interest in stories and sharing and role modelling um, in general. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Siobhan shares all of the ways that you can get in touch with her at the the end of the episode. And those are also linked in the show notes. Also, a reminder, if you haven't done so already, please do come and join us for the three three day coaching series over on the Balancing Act for Working Mums Facebook community this week. We are in for a treat. I cannot wait to share all the incredible content um, with you over these three days. And it's for you if you are an ambitious mum who feels stuck right now and you're ready to take ownership of your desire for more. Um, So yeah, come join us. Save your spot at debbielee.co.uk forward slash stuck hyphen to hyphen spacious. Um. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you there. And now on with the conversation. Bye for now. Good morning, Siobhan, and a very warm welcome to the Balancing Act podcast. It's yeah, it's wonderful to have you here. And I feel like the extra treat of being able to see your face as we speak too, because it's been a while since we've chatted and I'm really, really excited to catch up this morning. Um, so just for everybody listening, Siobhan is the word witch and she helps founders weave magic into their copy, which I think is just so like enticing and magical, really. Um, so I wonder if maybe to start with, you could tell us a little bit more about yourself and what your own balancing act looks like just now. Gosh, okay. Um, so yeah, I help founders um, with their copy and that is kind of my main role as like the founder of This This Describes. And um, I work with women kind of one-to-one and I do what I call copy coaching, which is uh, essentially teaching women how to write their own copy and um, getting them to bring their kind of magic to the fore rather than relying on somebody else to write their copy for them which means they've kind of got to go on this cycle of constantly giving a brief accepting the brief like 
going around and around in circles. So um, I really enjoy my work because it means I just get to talk to awesome women every day and help them with their words. Um, so yeah, I, I absolutely love what I do. And um, yeah, my God, my balancing act. <laughs> um, as you know, I wear lots of different hats. So I'm involved in politics. I do a lot of community work. Um, and I'm also running my business. But I'm also a mum of two boys. <laughs> I recently got a puppy. Um, so it's kind of, there is definitely like a lot of balancing going on and lots of plate spinning. Um, but I kind of think the main thing that I do to kind of get some balance in is having time to myself. So each month I tend to book myself into like a sister circle. Um, I go to Sadie Tishlar's sister circles each month, like they're normally linked to the moon. And uh, <clears throat> I also go to uh, Shannon Mockingbird Makes uh, Creative Conversations, which is kind of like, you know, 60 to 90 minutes of us just sitting there chatting doing some sort of craft activity <laughs> my crafty skills are pretty minimal um so I do like coloring in I tried to do cross stitch but I bought myself a fuck the Tories cross stitch <laughs> and then I found it too hard <laughs> so I was like I, I was really excited telling people what I was gonna be doing and then I was just like I gave up halfway through and just sat chatting and coloring in um so that's fine. But those giving myself those times and booking that time in, I think that's really important mm. um, because if I didn't book it in, I wouldn't do it. Um, so like uh, on Saturday, I went to like a yoga retreat in the morning, which was basically 90 minutes of yoga and then tea and cake with friends afterwards, <laughs> which is just a lovely, it was a really nice way to spend the, the morning, um, especially after such a busy week. Like I had my free workshop, I launched my course. I had calls all day Friday and then it was kind of like, ah, so nice just to kind of really chill out on the Saturday. So, but booking things in like that to look forward to and time away from other people, although even if it is with other people, it's not my family. Um, <laughs> yeah. And reading as well. Like reading is my absolute escape. So at bedtime, I will put my phone on airplane mode quite early on, like half eight, nine, and then I sit and read. I will watch some TV sometimes, like on the laptop, whatever, and have a bit of a binge. But generally, like I'll read loads. So, mm. yeah, work through my to be read pile, which is which is quite extensive. <laughs> yeah, it is. yeah, I can relate to that. And um, I really love that perspective, though, like you being able to recognize that you need those bookings in order to make the time. And um, because I think it's so like I think as as working mums we rarely like find time if you like like you very rarely come across this like hidden space of time that like there's nothing happening and you've got nothing to do and um, and so being able to recognize that and then like intentionally book those times into your your calendar book, book it into your week it's like it's so important yeah, it is. And I, I do think, because I've been a mum for a really long time now, like compared to like lots of my friends. So like Owen is 13 and a half. Um, when I had him, I was in teaching. So you rarely got any time to yourself at all because I had a long commute and um, I'd get home at like seven. Then I'd have to give him his tea and then he'd go to bed and then I'd have marking to do. And that was just like a perpetual daily cycle. And then 
the weekend I was marking like take her into the park or whatever and then it was kind of like more marking more learning journeys more planning like it was just kind of like constant I never found time for myself until I discovered running and then and I know you're a runner as well and um it's kind of that thing of like running was my time to myself and but I had to give myself targets again like I couldn't I found that I couldn't just go and run for me I had to run because I had a 5k race or I had to run because I had a half marathon or I had to run because I was training for something else and um but then so I haven't been able to run much recently because I I was really poorly back in 2018 and gave myself uh, pleurisy so I haven't been able to um well, I, I can run a bit but like I can't run long distance like I used to <clears throat> and um yeah I kind of lost that so because I didn't have like the rhythm of running every day I then felt like I had to start booking things in um mm. otherwise I just ended up doing an extra long bedtime story or like end up cooking dinner instead of letting somebody else do it I don't know like the control freak in me would just do something else um I I'm oh, sorry you know what? I, ex- I expect that um I expect that that experience is so relatable to so many of, of the listeners and I know that like for me in like not very long ago I could definitely relate to that it's like if you there's this like constant need to like fill our time with something that we deem to be like productive and I use my air quotes here like productive yeah Um, so frustrating yeah and it's it's funny isn't how like often we know the logic and we know that actually this isn't the thing that that will make us feel really good in this moment but yet we just find ourselves like it's like oh great here I am again emptying the dishwasher or putting away the never-ending laundry or like why am I doing this yeah when you're supposed to be spending time for yourself like I sometimes I'll even schedule in like a, a daytime bath but with that because there's no there's nothing I haven't paid for it no one's holding me to account so like I'll then be like oh, I'll put on a load of laundry before I go in the bath <laughs> so it's like making use of the time but like it's this ingrained capitalism isn't it this like mm. thing that's drummed into us like work pays and oh, so it doesn't but like <laughs> it's kind of that thing of like this cycle of doing like the kind of hamster wheel of life um, yes so frustrating but yeah I'm trying to break that cycle and I've been trying I think since the pandemic actually it's um if we're allowed to talk about the pandemic I feel like it's like a blaspheming word now but like um (laughs) like Voldemort um where like the pandemic meant I had to try and find time to myself because I'm like I'm in a house with I was in a house with seven other people and it was so intense like Mm. all the time so seven other people six other people five people and my sister-in-law yeah I can't count um that's why I taught early years um yeah so it really kind of I just needed that time to myself and that wasn't work um because and I think people forget as well because you're working from home they and because they don't really understand what I do (laughs) because word which doesn't really mean anything to anybody here (laughs) so they kind of I'm in my office and that's they think it's like me time and I'm like no I'm working (laughs) like this isn't me time like I'm in my office like I'm not having a nice time up here I am because let's be honest I do have quite a cushy lovely job um but it's that thing of like 
I'm not doing it for myself. I do think that boundary is really difficult as well. Like when you do really enjoy your job. Yeah. It's quite hard to then break away from it to just yeah, have time I to totally do like get that. Yes. Because <laughs> you like love your job too, don't I you? I love it. I love it. Like I can't get enough of it. Like I really love it. And it's like all the other bits related to it as well. Like trying to upskill yourself in different things or explore yeah. different things. And and it's funny you mentioned that like um you know they think I'm just having a nice time and then there's like almost this guilt that comes like or well there is another potential source of guilt there like oh you enjoy your job like is it okay to like enjoy your work and get paid for it really like is that possible well that's that's an issue we have here it's like the martyrdom around work and it not enjoying it and um, so my husband's a teacher and obviously like teachers aren't allowed to enjoy their job <laughs> and my mother-in-law works for the NHS and like it's all very like martyr stuff and I've been there like I know what it's like that cycle you get yourself into of like oh no I can't do that because I've got planning to do and like you can't enjoy yourself because work's so hard and like, you've worked a 12-hour day and blah 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 whereas I can be like um you know, I can work with a client for a day and it's like, what would be a week's salary for some people? So it's yeah. kind of like, <clears throat> but because I enjoy my job and I'm good at what I do, like I shouldn't feel guilty about that. Mm-hmm. But the voice in the back of your head is like, do you deserve it? Like you said, like, oh, am I allowed to? Am I allowed to enjoy what I do? Am I allowed to ask for money for this? Because I enjoy it. Like, And it's like, a yeah, that's definitely taken me a good two years to get to this like stage where I'm quite confident now in that it's I think it's really apt that you bring up you bring up the example of a one day um experience because like as as you will very much know it's not just like the one day that has gone into that it's like years that you've spent like refining your skills like setting up a business structure that works setting up like resources and materials and everything that goes along with that is actually yeah, like yeah. what goes into to like being paid there and, and yeah and also like you do all the preparation for the day so like for me they have to send me all their copy in advance that we're going to look at on the day so I get a good I can get my head around everything I want to fully stalk them in their business so I like you know make sure their voice is consistent across their brand and all that kind of stuff. We look at competitors beforehand, all that stuff. And then afterwards, there's always like follow up. Mm-hmm. So I don't like, I, I suppose I'm a bit creepy, but like, I don't like finishing working with someone and then it just being the end of our relationship. <laughs> it's like a clingy, creepy copywriter. But um, I like that cheerleading that goes on afterwards as well. So like, once someone's got there, we, you know, we spend the day doing their website, or whatever. I then want to be there to help them finish it all off and Mm. do all that. So yes, they're getting me for a day. And part of that is like the word, which in your pocket thing, because I'm always there. Like I don't, I don't like be like, see ya never. (laughs) I'm always thereafter. So yeah and I imagine in your work as well that's so valuable because you know copy it's not just a skill that you like sudden you can learn it takes practice and I guess a lot like many things and developing many new skills there's a bit of cheerleading needed there so just being there to say to somebody yes you're doing a really good job yes that's going well like that works wonders yeah um 
So I know that you are a very strong and and vocal feminist. And one thing that really, really spoke to me in the workshop that you you ran last week, which was fantastic, was this idea of like women sharing stories through history. And um, yeah, I wondered if you could maybe speak a bit more about that to to the audience, because when I heard it, I was like, oh, my goodness, like, yes. Like, how did we not realise this before? Yeah, so I think um, one of the things that we often forget is that women really have only had a voice for the last kind of 60, 70 years um, in terms of kind of equality. And even now it's kind of like it's still very like gate kept. So you can't always hear women's voice in places. But like before the kind of 50s, 60s, women's voices were and stories just weren't told um, unless another woman found them and then projected their story and had like ways of doing things. So you had a lot of female writers, for example, um, had pseudonyms. So like T.S. Eliot. Um, not T.S. Eliot, sorry, George Eliot, my brain. Um, George Eliot wrote under a pseudonym because she didn't think she'd get published as a woman. Um, so Middlemarch, obviously, is a really famous book and lots of her books. <clears throat> and there are loads of others as well. But there's also like inventors, people in STEM, and you're like, you know, science background. Lots of like when you're at university, I'd imagine that every every bit of theory, every bit of kind of research you're reading from pre-1950 just didn't have women's names Mm. on it. And often there were women involved, but they weren't, you did not hear about them. Um, And it's only like the women who were really, I suppose, rebellious or like loud um, and often very privileged women like Emmeline Pankhurst, who got their voices heard because they had people in high places to kind of support them. So, yeah, one of the things I'm really passionate about is making sure that women tell their own stories, because if we don't tell them, like nobody else is going to, or somebody else will tell your story and it won't be how you want it. So, yeah, I just think it's really important to own your story, particularly as a founder, like to tell your story. And if you're even if you're not a founder, set up your own blog and tell people what you're thinking or you know post on Instagram honestly and openly and authentically because if you don't no one else will and no one and other people are who you don't even realize are watching you are so inspired by what it is you're doing um even if it is just the fact that you're managing to cope with a baby and going to work like for somebody to read that (laughs) they're just like oh my god if she can do it I can too and that's one of the reasons I like stand for in politics is because I'm I don't think I'm going to be the best politician in the world but the purpose of me standing is that other women go like oh she's really normal Mm -hmm. (laughs) she's not super rich or super posh she can I know I've got a Surrey accent so it does make me sound a bit posh but I'm not um it's that thing of like just seeing someone doing things and and trying like gives gives you permission to try to do things as well and and so I always think I like show up like flaws and everything because someone else will see it and because I know because I've seen other people doing things and gone oh my god that's amazing I'm gonna try that too so I know it works um 
but yeah, oh. telling your story is so important. I love it. Like it really, there was it was so powerful when you when you talked about it, and like it really, really like strikes a really strong chord with me because I think there's real power in sharing just what you said, like that everyday stuff. Because like I think mums, like no matter what you do or don't do with your day, like are amazing. And every time I work with or speak to or meet another mum like it never ceases to amaze me how much we manage to like pack in and that's like usually beyond like just being able to keep little people around you alive and like sustained and nourished like it's amazing and I so you talked about like telling your story and what I see is like another slant on that around like living your story so like when these stories, when we don't share our stories and don't share that day-to-day reality of it, along with like all the great bits and all the challenges to go with it, like then we all gravitate to just following this like stereotypical societal story of what like success should mean and yeah. like what a, the life of a working mum should look like. Um, and yeah it's something like it's it's so common I think so when I heard you talk about the story it's like oh it's not like telling the story is one thing and then that is then enabling other people to live their own unique story yeah. but I think this thing of like um and like the thing about living your own story as well is just it's so hard to try and live somebody else's story in a way or to try and fit to someone else's script like and it's really stressful and anxiety inducing and it can be quite depressing and I know because I've been there um so like when I left teaching in 2015 I was like right okay what do people do when they've left teaching like I literally was googling like what do you do when you've left teaching um so I did a proofreading copy editing course based on some other people who'd done a similar thing um because I didn't really know what else I was good at because I'd been teaching for so long I was completely institutionalized and then I um <laughs> spent two years basically trying to be this business person that was like everybody else like not speaking about what I really believed in not really talking about my personal life not really um just not being authentic and I just had shit client after shit client after shit client um sorry I just realized I'm swearing a lot sorry you know you know what I'm like um <laughs> it's kind of that thing of like I it dawned on me in like end of 2017 I was like something is not I need to change something and I it, yeah I think I did some like Lucy Sheridan workshops and um early 2018 yeah, I ran two marathons with a chest infection and got very ill. <laughs> um, and yeah, had all this time to just basically rejig my entire business to something that I enjoyed, which was writing, to work with women, like have a real focus on working with women. I kind of rebranded myself as a word witch because I was kind of, somebody had said like, oh, what you do is really magical, blah, blah, blah. So like used what they said and just went fully in to my woo to like talking about my kids talking about what I believed in and the like 
living authentically and being true to myself meant that my client base completely changed like I was just naturally repelling people and I didn't have to get inquiries and they'd be like oh sorry I didn't really want to do this or like oh no sorry this isn't really what I do here's somebody else like I don't have to do that now because those people don't bother because they're like oh she's got like a purple website with witches hats all over it and or like she's effing and jeffing all the time or she she hates the Tories whatever it is like they they obviously just don't just look at me and go like nah, no thanks and that's fine um but in 2015 like I if someone had said to me like be really political and it will completely change your business <laughs> be like be your ranty normal feminist killjoy self um <laughs> I would have been like, oh, no, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to get in trouble. I've only just become a freelancer. Like, oh. Um, so, yeah, I definitely feel that there is something in being yourself, telling your own story. And also the fact, like, I didn't even talk about the fact that I've been a teacher for over a decade <laughs> when I first started out because I was so worried that people would think I was a fraud. <laughs> and, like, instead of being like, oh, wow, look at all the experience I've got as a teacher and as a leader within schools. so whereas now like I've gravitated back towards teaching yeah although it's writing that I'm teaching it's all based in like this years of experience so yeah I definitely think telling your story and owning who you are is really really important particularly as mums because we can get a bit lost can't we I think Mm -hmm. in that like oh what do you do oh no I nothing I'm just a mum actually I've got a funny story about that (laughs) my um in a French lesson when I was doing my GCSEs one of my male friends um Ian (laughs) he uh he was we were going around the class and he went uh that we had to say what our parents did I was like oh yeah whatever it is in French like my mum's in marketing and uh or something and and the Ian went oh my mum doesn't do anything (laughs) (laughs) and um and the teacher went ballistic. Yeah. What do you mean your mum doesn't do anything? She listed all the things in French that his mum must do for him. And honestly, that stuck with me because I kind of like, yeah, I always just think like mums don't do anything. So I just thought that was funny. Sorry. Actually, they do everything, which is why it appears. They do everything so that it then appears that they don't actually do anything. <laughs> But since mum goes on holiday, dad's like, you know, other mums, whatever. Yeah, I, I hashtag uh, all mums. Like, no. I sort of laugh. I can, like, definitely, you know, obviously I've got a sense of humour. I can join you in laughing and that. And then, like, the undertone of it, like, strikes this rage inside of me. Like, yeah. have you watched... Um, that there's a programme called Motherhood on Netflix? Oh, my God, I, I love like, it. I love that program so much. Like, so apt, isn't it? It was like an emotional roller coaster for me because I was like, on the one, like one minute I was laughing along with it, and then the next moment I was like shouting at the TV and rage, like, this is not the yeah. example we need to set. You know? no, so, it's infuriating that though, isn't it? Like when yeah. you know the mums are doing everything, but. I, I do think we we do get ourselves into little traps of doing everything because I think a lot of women that have that control control the need for control. Yeah, absolutely. And like I think <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. Like my, my son, like the first day admitted that was being like 
a real part of like the journey for me needing to like control how everything's done needing to control like when things are done who does it how they do it at what time etc cetera, etc cetera. like my poor husband but like there's I think as well in that there's a recognition that there's like that need for control has stemmed from somewhere because like actually we have like maybe going back to like what you said about the like the appearance of success like we need to to have things happen in a certain way so that we can like feel accepting and okay about it and like that is there for a very good reason because we've been like taught by society that like this is the way we have to to be in order to be like a good mom or a good household or a good employee or whatever like it's I think the control is definitely there and usually for good good reason and so it's like up to us to then take the responsibility to like unpick that and, yeah. and but I also I think this is systemic isn't it it's yeah. like I um, mean it's so historical like women's lives were controlled in every other aspect mm. so the only thing that they had control over was the parenting and the house yeah. like in the house even if they were given like a you know 10 pounds a week to go and get the food shopping or whatever they or for the housekeeping it was kind of like they had control over that and that's mm-hmm. been passed down and yeah. I think particularly as Irish women I think that is like an island is such a patriarchal society yeah, <laughs> it just yeah. is like even more so than England I would say and Scotland and Wales like and that's from the Catholic Church isn't it but like we won't go into that now but um like I definitely think that, that um that Irish um tr- like historical trauma from like particularly for women is generational and that's something that is passed on I definitely think there's something in there about like the little women and kind of yeah all of that but sorry we've gone I've gone off on a tangent we need another another episode to to cover all of that like but yeah I think like the theme that comes through there is like yes it's no like yes those behaviors are there and the fact that they are so common amongst mums busy working ambitious mums like is no coincidence and like it's not up to us to like berate ourselves for it. It's like to accept that that's there for through like no fault of our own, yeah. and also we can take responsibility for like choosing a different way as well. Yeah. Um. And breaking yeah. that generational. Yes, exactly. Pattern. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and changing up the story, I guess, to relate it back to our <laughs> theme. Um. So I. I love I love following you on Instagram, not just for the the copy coaching you share, but also for like the general entertainment. So to finish up with, um, could you share a little bit more about how how we can find you online? Yeah, um, so you can find me online. I'm at this sister scribes. It's great when you've got a list. Uh, this is described um I'm that on Instagram and Facebook um my website is this is describes.com and uh you can follow me on Twitter I'm at labor Siobhan um on Twitter so you get a bit of a more political side of me um lots more feminist <laughs> rants um but yeah that's kind of my online life um but yeah fantastic um I shall also put those links in the show notes as well so people can take them directly from there and I say like I really appreciate the like your sense of authenticity and openness really shows through um and for yeah much beyond your your copy genius as well 
Thank you. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for, for being here this morning and thanks for really a really lively conversation. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm a bit mad. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think it's like, I love it. I love chatting. Um, and yeah, it sounds like we've got a few more podcast episodes now. Anytime, any time. All right, Siobhan, take care. Thank you. Bye. Take care, Debbie. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Balancing Act podcast. If you'd like to connect with other working mums just like you who are seeking more balance in their everyday, then come join us on the free Facebook community, The Balancing Act for Working Mums. If you've loved what you've heard, I would be incredibly grateful if you could rate and review the podcast on your favourite platform so that we can spread the word to all the working mums out there looking for more balance. Until then, I'll look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Bye for now.